Welcome to another episode of the CJ McCollum Show. We are currently recording on Halloween, Tuesday, October 31st. We are coming off a tough loss against the Golden State Warriors, but we don't want to talk about that right now. We want to focus on the biggest storylines in the NBA. And the biggest storyline happened last night at 1 a.m. while most of us were sleeping Central Eastern time. The Pacific people were probably awake. James Harden was traded to his choice, I'm guessing, his, his first choice. The Los Angeles Clippers, this was an ongoing saga that lasted or started um, in the summertime, I believe, with James um, basically saying he preferred him to not play uh, for Daryl Morey. He basically talked about how he was a liar, amongst other things, and then began to have issues with um, being around the team. I think there was a personal reasons why he wasn't around the team for, for a little while and ended up coming back. And based on the stories, I don't have all the information based on the stories. He tried to get on the plane. He wasn't able to get on the plane. And then uh, he came and worked out and began his ramp up process of returning to play. I think he was gone. Cassie, correct me if I'm wrong. He was gone about 10 days away from the team. Hmm. Um, was on the bench uh, last night or a couple nights ago um, at the game was with the team and this trade is not surprising but I think the timing of it was surprising for for me and probably for a lot of people because of it happening at 1 a.m um, and I think we can get into the specifics of the trade for those that aren't aware it's very early here um, specifics yeah, of I the mean, trade when, how did you when did you find out not found, at 1 a.m no I found out at 7.30, 7.30 a.m. I was asleep okay. at told, 1 a.m. How'd you find out? Uh, my group chat. I have uh, <laughs> a group chat. It's titled uh, NHF, No Hard Feelings. There's a oh. an interesting collective group of people who are in sports and entertainment. Oh. And it was there. The Woj post was actually there with you know lots of comments below it. Some people not knowing who was in the trade because obviously at 1 a.m. they just said that there was a trade happening, but it didn't yeah. announce who was a part of the trade. So I thought that was very interesting. So then I began to scroll. And luckily for me, it was morning now at this point. So the trade details had been finalized. And I think there's still like a pick swap that hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. So wait, what was like the overall consensus on the, in that group chat? Because I, I, it sounds like this group chat is like the, the group chat to be in. Not that, I'm, not that I'm asking for an invite. All I'm saying is... <laughs> It's, I want to know. There's, there's there's some good, really good NBA players in this group chat, um, and some artists. One name, give us one name, one name. Uh, I'll give you two: Seth Curry, okay, KD, and KD. Uh, wow, I just stopped there. That's uh, a that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. I'm, I, I would, yeah. I'm sure KD will put something out on, on Twitter at some point, even though he slowed down a little bit on Twitter. He's uh, locked but, in. He's, he's locked <laughs> into the season. So it's just so everybody's just reacting. Because look, I mean, you talk about the timing of when the when the trade happened. How about the timing of just the trade overall? Like, this has been the biggest story all off season, And now we're a week into the season and it happens now. What do you think of the timing? First of all, let me just get get the the specifics out. Uh, James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Philip Petrasev got traded uh, for Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, K.J. Martin, um, two twenty six, uh, two twenty twenty six uh, first and two uh, seconds and a and a pick swap. Um, 
So really, when, it, when, when you break it down, we're not going to understand like who fleeced who until we see right. what the uh, 76ers can do with um, those picks. But, um, you know, what, what was really the consensus and just learning um, that James Harden is uh, finally no longer a sixer, got what he wanted essentially um, for the fourth time. You know, leaving Houston, wanting to go to the Nets, leaving the Nets, wanting to go um, to Philly and leaving Philly, wanting to go to the Clippers. He landed every single time where he wanted to go. And now he's with um, with L.A. and uh, the Sixers and Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey can move on. So what's your what's your take overall? What's your biggest takeaway from this trade? I think my biggest takeaway is the, the Sixers belief in Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I think this kind of clears the way for him to uh, be a lead guard, have those responsibilities, be the setup guy, be the scorer, uh, really kind of blossom and uh, develop into the player that he can be. I think his ceiling is extremely high. He, he's a great, he makes a great tandem with uh, Joel Embiid. He's young, he's explosive. And I think for the Sixers, it's about having the pieces. I think they talked about having the pieces to maybe be able to make a move down the road or be able to uh, acquire a free agent. Um, in the offseason and for the clip for the Clippers, it's obvious they get a, a California native, a guy who wanted to play there, a guy who gets along with Russ, gets along with Kawhi, he gets along with PG. Uh, I think there's going to be interesting dynamic in terms of ball handling responsibility and all those mm-hmm. things, because Russ is a great playmaker on all accounts. He's a great teammate. He's a leader of that team. He's the one that kind of organizes and keeps everything moving and going. He's the one that holds people accountable. He's been fitting in nicely, finding his groove with them. So we saw them together in Houston. It didn't always work out. So I wonder, you know, when you when you give up that much and been seeking to bring him on board, what is that going to mean for Russ um, in terms of bringing on James? Yeah, I think, I mean, Russ is the type of player that can figure it out because he plays so hard and he plays so fast. But James is very ball dominant, like pick and rolls, ISO situations. I'm just wondering which version we're going to get in terms of the scoring James, the playmaking James, the combination James, how they kind of play with the lineups. Obviously, T. Lou is a wizard with ability to draw up timeouts and get the most out of players. But do they go big? Do they go small? Zubach? Like they, they got a lot of question marks in terms of rotation and how they do it. I think T-Man is still hurt, so they don't have to worry about figuring out his minutes right now. Uh, they lose some some really good role players. Cub is a really good role player. Batum, a guy that does all the dirty work. Both of those guys shoot the three at a high clip, but they're they're efficient players who don't need the ball, right? You got catch and shoot guys. You got low maintenance guys who aren't going to complain about touches, aren't going to complain about minutes. They're just going to be consummate professionals. So I think this is just an interesting dynamic to where. If there's buy-in, I'm, I'm sure there's not going to be any issues, but I think it's just going to take time for the chemistry and camaraderie to, to kind of kick in. As a team in the West, does this trade change the way you view the Clippers as a challenge? Or does it keep them in the same space they were before? Because they were contenders with how they were before this trade. I think it's too early to tell. I mean, they're contenders with James. They're contenders without James, for sure. Um, depending on how to utilize him, they should be better. I would imagine like a Hall of Fame level player who's average 30 and 10 at one point who led the, I think he led the league in assists last year, 20 something and 10 assists, um, capable of scoring 40 on any given night. I think that gives them more flexibility to 
rest Kawhi to rest PG to allow them to sit longer. Within the league rules, though. <laughs> By rest, I don't mean like games. I mean yeah. within the game. Sit sit longer. Like maybe mm-hmm. they play in 30 minutes instead of 34, 32 minutes instead of 36. Like those three to five minutes a game where they could just sit on the bench a little longer to allow maybe Russ is rocking out. Maybe James is rocking out. Maybe it's James and PG out there. Then you sub one of those guys out. Now you got Y back in there. I think those strategic ways to rest within a game to keep the minutes a little lower, similar to what the Lakers were trying to do with Braun, but then it, it kind of didn't work out for, for a couple of games. The, the mileage and the minutes over the course of all their careers, 12 years, 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, depending on the player you're talking about, being able to get three or four minutes a game less over 82, or let's say they play 70, that's a lot of minutes. If it's three, seven, 14, 20, that's, a, that's 120 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, or more. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I you brought up a good point about how they're going to use him. Um, I know James, you know, last year, you, you as you mentioned, led the league in assists, changed his game in terms of, you know, being more of a playmaker. Um, and, you know, there were some frustrations around that change, obviously, because he, he knew that um, it was Joel Embiid's team and he needed to play to fit Joel um, as best as possible. But with uh, a team that has, a, you know, Kawhi and, and Paul, they don't need, you know um, – the scoring leader, James Harden. And is he that anymore? Um, you know, what, what, what do they need James Harden to be alongside Kawhi and PG? Because when we think about the big trades this summer, I think Dame was a trade where it's like insert superstar right now. Drew holiday is insert a star, but we know that he's behind Jalen and Jason, and if you want to argue, Chris stops depending on what's going on there. When we look at what's going on with the Clippers, this is Kawhi and PG's team. This team, um, their success lies on the back of Kawhi and PG. Am I wrong? No, you're you're a hundred percent right. And I think the difference, like you said before, is James is fitting into the puzzle that already exists. Why proven champion when he's healthy, arguably the best two way player in the NBA can go guard the best player on any team can score on the best defender on any team. Right. Like consistently mid range, three level score gets to the free throw line, big shots, big moments. Um, very, very dominant. Paul George is probably the most talented player in the NBA in terms of skill set. Right. Dribble, shoot, finish around the basket can run a pick and roll scores an ISO. If you could create a player you probably create them with Paul George's attributes, right? Height, athleticism, speed, pace, handle, talent, scoring ability, release, quick release, all that stuff. And then you add a guy like James Harden who can score an ISO, can run a pick and roll. He showed you that he can be different versions of himself. He can be distributor James. He can go get 40 James. Now he's not going to have to get 40 all the time, which is great for him and his body. He's going to be able to not he's gonna be able to pace himself throughout the season. And some nights not have to do much, some nights have to do more. And then Russ is just gonna play hard every night, keep the pace of the game flowing, be the energy, be the guy that holds everybody accountable. And he's a willing distributor. Like Russ loves passing. So I, I, I think with them all being from California and them all winning the championship, that they'll figure it out. Yeah. 
And in terms of the 76ers, you know, Woj is reporting that um, Philadelphia plans to pursue a high-level guard to add to its roster. Um, and this was the whole thing that Daryl Morey was saying. I'm waiting out to make sure we get picks so we can turn it into someone um, that can help us now because they're in win now um, just like just like all the other top teams because it's it's there. this is Joel Embiid's prime. Um and so when you think about what's happening with the 76ers, yes, early returns um, show that Tyrese Maxey is, is ready for the spotlight. But when you look at that roster, what do you think, what type of player, obviously they're not going to get Drew Holiday, <laughs> but what type of player um, do you think could put them into that top tier? Because I think right now, you know, everyone's talking about Milwaukee and Boston as the top tier in the East. Um, what do you think puts them over the edge, or you think they belong in that in that tier from what you've seen already? No, I think they have a pretty good roster right now as it stands, right? You got Tobias Harris, who's, you know, a great 3 and D guy, has a mid-post game, can score. Um, you got Embiid, who's an MVP. You got Melton, who I like. He's solid. He can pass. He can defend. He can catch and shoot, finish the on a basket. You've got Maxi, up-and-coming star. Pat Bev, guy that comes in and guards. House, Paul Reed, Kelly Oubre. I think they're, like you said before, another guy who can distribute, another guy who can shoot, right? When you have a dominant big, you need as many three-point shooters around him as possible. So I think they're probably looking for a well-balanced guard slash wing that can shoot, So, which is hard to find, right, in the league that's just available. <laughs> so you're going to need pieces for that. You're going to need um playing time for that and i think all those things may align either later on before the deadline or in the offseason when, when players become free agents but i think if if i'm looking at this roster you you always can use more shooting you always can use more playmakers um, because joel's going to get trapped a lot he's going to get double teamed because he's unstoppable you need people to be able to make decisions quickly and you need people that can um take attention away from him if you will by initiating the offense or just drawing more defenses away from JoJo. And I think maybe the biggest thing that the 76ers gain right now is peace of mind. You know, they, um, I'm sure they probably would have preferred to um, have this all wrapped up prior to training camp, but, you know, now they can move on with, um, with Nick Nurse knowing, you know, who – who's going to be handling the ball for them and Tyrese Maxey and really um, lean into him being that, that Batman. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this, the, the, the saga, the James Harden saga um, in Philadelphia is over. Um, The James Harden saga in general is over for now. Um, So we'll see, we'll see how, you know, this trade has, um, implications throughout the league as uh, really we're just a week into the season. So, um, but no more, no more asking when is he going to go to the Clippers? Cause it is over and done with. Yeah, and the, the ironic part is that the Clippers play tonight on national television and they will be without all those players that they just traded. And I'm imagining James Harden won't yeah. play tonight against the Orlando magic. So um, he won't it- play, but um, sources say, I think, uh, Ramona Shelburne was reporting he was 
understandably ecstatic when he heard that he got traded to the Clippers and wanted to be, I think he's on a plane already and wants to be on the bench for that game tonight. So on a plane already. <laughs> I wow. mean, it's LA. So him and him and PJs, by the way, PJ um, is not just like, you know, he's never a throwaway and this is a champion. Um, but you know, he's, he, he made, he made comments too of support of James Harden over the, over the summer. And now he's, he's heading with him to, um, to, to, to LA just quickly. What do you think PJ is going to do for, uh, the Clippers that, that presence, especially since they lost a lot of, uh, you know, guys on that, on that team. PJ's a, a veteran guy who understands the game. He makes winning plays, sets great screens, will go guard the best player. With them being in the West, there's a lot of talented wings and post players in the West who PJ is going to have to guard at some point. Um, from Joker to KD to um, even looking at our team, we got Zion, we got BI, you know, big talented wings um, who can score the basketball. So you need people to be able to guard them. You need people to uh, that are willing to do the dirty work. And I think you look at that Clippers team, they have scoring, they have playmaking. They need defense. They yeah. need people who don't need the ball. And I think he fits the billing for both those things. And obviously, he's a natural pairing next to James. Like he, Him and James get along really well and have complimented each other for years. I, I do want to change uh, direction here and talk about another thing that's happening this week. You know, we're a week into the season, and now, bam, the in-season tournament kicks off on Friday, November 3rd. You guys don't kick off your in-season tournament play until the following Friday um, in Houston, but um, there's a pretty full slate on this Friday. And so in-season tournament games are on Fridays and Tuesdays, but next week, Tuesday is election day, so there's no games at all. Um, I, as the president of the Players Association, I was just hoping you can give us some insight into like the discussions over the last two years of how this came about and what, what like really what was your first reaction when you, when you heard of that this was a possibility? Now, we've been talking about, as you said before, for multiple years. And as, as a member of the competition committee, our job is to figure out how to make the game better, how to make the game more competitive and essentially given the pulse of the players and insight from things that they may not think about as a committee in terms of the staff and the NBA and the league as a whole. And in our conversations, one of the things that came up was obviously looking at, you know, European basketball and, and soccer as well. And, and how they've kind of figured out ways to make the regular season more intriguing, how to, how to make games more valuable, not only to the players, but to fans as well. You know, that, that engagement, that interaction and looking at something like, playing game right where people kind of frowned upon it early on and then it became really competitive it made the league more competitive and it gave more teams an opportunity to compete for something outside of the larry o'brien trophy while competing for the larry o'brien trophy if that makes sense and i think the cool part about the playing tournament was that one it gave us a chance to make the playoffs twice when i played for the Trailblazers and when i played for the pelicans but it also gives young teams an opportunity to compete in like a playoff atmosphere it makes a random game in March or April like really, really important for a team that would normally be out of the playoff picture. And I think for the in-season tournament, it makes Tuesday games more entertaining. I think it's Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Fridays. Um, it oh, makes right. those, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, yep. 
It makes those games more entertaining, first of all. It gives players something else to play for and to aspire for outside the Larry O'Brien trophy. That's important. There's obviously financial incentive, but I think the overall objective was to get different teams competing against each other, different matchups, right? You have to pull play and you potentially have an opportunity to get Eastern Conference teams and Western Conference teams playing against each other before the finals in, in what will be like almost like an AAU tournament where you go to nationals and you play on the big stage in Vegas and you get to mm. watch the teams and, you know, fans are out there. It's all under uh, one roof. Um, I think I think it's going to be a really, really cool environment. I think fans are going to grow to love it and enjoy it and players are going to compete and, and have a chance to, to go to Vegas in the middle of December to compete for a trophy and, and some extra financial incentive. But I think the cool part is you get to play basketball on the main stage in Vegas outside of summer league for fans to watch. I heard Vegas was your idea. I was not against it. Um, I <laughs> I may have recommended Miami and Vegas as, as two very viable options that I Do think. you hear that NBA players? This man is looking out for you in more ways than one. Players would certainly <laughs> enjoy the opportunity to get away from some of the colder cities in December and be able to compete. It's, it's, it's really good for your joints. Uh, really, really good for your joints to be in warm weather. <laughs> consistently in the winter that's your president y'all that is your president i mean but i will say though um thinking about this tournament you talk about you mentioned something interesting like uh it's a it's a it's a good stage for up-and-coming teams to kind of feel that atmosphere but as a veteran player who talks to a lot of veteran players specifically on a group chat like how seriously are players taking this tournament right now i mean look it's it's different when you're in it you know like you have to experience obviously what what it's going to be about but like as you're anticipating this play what is the conversations around the players like how seriously are they taking it or they're just anticipating what it's going to be like i think it's i don't think it's set in yet because the schedule has hit and obviously the whirlwind of the nba schedule is just game 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 off day practice day and you kind of go through the rigors of that. But once you start competing and once you start to see the trophy and the build up, the jerseys, the courts, I think it'll signify. Uh, it'll signify the fact that we're closer to this moment. But I think one of the things that was asked amongst the players and which consistently should be asked is, does this mean we're going to have to play more games? Right. Because you equate the in-season tournament with more games being played, and it's it's not true. We're actually going to play the same amount of games, and some teams may actually play like one less game or one more game, depending on if you go to the um, championship or not. So all those things are the same. It's essentially the same cadence of schedule that we would normally have. Um, just these games are just sign- uh, signaling the fact that we're having an in-season tournament, new jerseys, new court, new incentives, it gives fans something to look forward to. It gives broadcast partners something to look forward to uh, because you're going to get matchups that you probably wouldn't normally get on a Tuesday or on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you have pool play. You know who's going to be playing against who in advance. I think it just it sets the stage for some very entertaining basketball that, that I think will bring out the best in a lot of players. So you guys have your first uh, tournament game um, at home uh on friday the 17th and so you guys will debut your tournament floor which is actually the first time in pelicans history that you've 
ever played on an alternative um, floor. Have you seen the um, tournament floors? What do you think of them? I'm, I'm hearing some mixed reviews, but it's at least it's something that people are taking notice of. I have seen the floors, and I think it's hard to judge on a screen. Uh, being able to see it in person will help, but I don't hate the colors. I don't hate the black. The green gives me like Halloween vibes, the black and green, uh, almost like Nickelodeon slime. Yeah. But I think, I think <laughs> the changeup. Kids, shout out to the nineties babies. I think the changeup is is necessary. I think it's helpful for the viewer, right? Because if you're watching, you'll distinctly see like mm-hmm. the difference in the court, the difference in the jerseys, and I think it'll trigger the fact that this is a game in the NBA, but it's a different type of game, right? Because of the stakes and, and what's uh, what the guys are playing for, but I think it's too early to tell. I have to be able to see it in person and see the jerseys and how they complement the actual floor in person. I, I mean, I think really, I think some people are going to be caught off guard that the tournament starts this week. Um, but I think seeing the floors, it's just like, okay, well, that, that's the whole point of this tournament is to drive attention to the beginning of the season, especially when the NFL is at its, at its peak right now. Um, I guess my last thing on this is just uh, on a scale of one to 10, how badly do you want to win that cup? I mean, I always want to win. Um, <laughs> so I, I think, what? I think it's, it's like a 10, like eight, nine. <laughs> the, the I mean was like a, it, it gave me eight vibes. Nine. nine. I mean, I, 10, I really want to <laughs> win. <laughs> you really okay. want to win because that means that you're positioning yourself to have a high seed for the playoffs, to probably play at home for the playoffs, which means less travel mm-hmm. into the season. And that you positions get gambling you. In. I would definitely play some blackjack, but that that positions you to have a better chance at winning the Larry. And this is a trophy that you get. This is some extra money that you get. This is more TV games. A trip to Vegas, December. I think it would be really cool to win. And it gets you prepared for playoff-like atmosphere, playoff-like games. It gets your team used to playing against really good teams. You got to execute better. You have to be more crisp. You got to box out. You got to do all the little things better when you're playing against better teams. And some of the bad habits that you have can't carry over against certain teams or you'll get exposed, kind of how we did last night. You can get away with certain stuff for so long and then it gets exposed. So I think it's cool to play against good teams because then you figure out exactly how you need to get better, what you need to work on, the little things in terms of execution, positioning, pace, space, all those things really matter and it's magnified against good teams. And look, I know it's not Jalen Brown money, but um, the players on the winning team each get $500,000. Runners up will each get $200,000. Losing players on the semifinals will each get $100,000. And the losing players of the quarterfinals will each get $50,000. So that's that's uh, that's not chump change. I mean, it may be in NBA standards, but it's definitely not chump change in regular right. people's standards. We, we set the table. You guys just watch. It starts on Friday on ESPN. Um, I'll, be, I'll be in Denver for that game. Like you said, it's Halloween. Is this a holiday you like celebrating? I do like celebrating Halloween. Um, typically, I dress up, but really? we actually we actually fly to Oklahoma City and like 
some hours. So I won't be dressing up this year. My son will be, uh, he loves cars and trucks. So he's going to be like a little like NASCAR driver. He has like a custom, a custom zip up um, outfit with like the number three on it and like the race car stuff and his, his name on the back. So you're not going to be able cute. to go trick or treating though, right? Because you have to no. fly out. Mm-mm, we got Is your practice. Wife gonna take him? She's going to take him trick or treating. Yeah. So I'll get some pictures, which will Aww. be really cool to see. His first time trick or treating. Amazing. This is his first time trick or treating. Yeah, he's only twenty something months, but um, last year he dressed up, but he's like he's not he's not going to doors and getting candy. But this is the first time he's going to understand. Like, all right, candy. He's gonna be like, yeah, it's this. How is your neighborhood? Do you feel like are are the houses spread out? You know, do you feel like there's going to be good trick or treating? Because you know that's half the battle. Yeah, I mean, if not, we'll get we'll get candy for him, or at least we'll get him a couple snacks that he can have as a okay. little little uh, special treat. But I think it'll be I think it'll be a cool experience for him just to see other kids in costumes, and uh, he loves the the stimulation of interacting with people and just being in different spaces for a little bit for small periods of time. Then he's like, "Get me out of here!" <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the best costume you've ever had? You say you like Halloween. I mean, I've been a doctor. I've obviously been Urkel. Um, oh, right. Ur- wait, you were Urkel or Steve Urkel? Or Stefan? What was his name? Stefan. Steve Urkel. Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel. Jaleel. Eyes uh, a bright white <laughs> like Jaleel. Um, shout out to my guys, Lil White. I mean, that's obviously the easiest costume that I can pull off. I've been all types of football players. I've been a doctor. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Is that what like people did? People say that you you guys were doppelgangers growing up. Like you always got that. Because I I've never even thought that, but now that you're saying it, I guess not Urkel, but like Jaleel. I can see it. <laughs> when I was younger, I could definitely see it. Now, no. Um, I think we're both just like light skinned fellows. But I think I was so small. Oh, right. Oh, right. He was so small. So it was just like there was more of a comparison um, to his younger days. But now as an adult, like even just seeing him in person, I just started laughing because I was like, I don't really see it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, yeah. When you talk about how small you were when you were younger, that, okay, now it's all coming. All right. So that's a good costume. Um, in terms of the top tier candy, like, are you guys now, if people know that it's, um, you know, CJ McCollum's house, does that, do you feel pressure to hand out full size candy bars? No, no, I don't, I don't even <laughs> no? get candy. Um, my wife has picked up whatever candy that they'll be giving out this year, but it's funny in years past, I turned the light off. Um, as if I'm not participating. CJ. So in years past, it was just like, I don't want people coming to the house. Just then put people... a bucket out. No, it just that's that's a sign of I'm going to dump this bucket into my into my little bucket or sheet. I, I First of all, okay, I let's know, go honestly, back. but at least you tried the lights turned off. I thought you said you liked Halloween. I did, but sometimes it's in season and I don't want to go to the door. And I don't want to I don't oh, want to participate. Said- but this year we'll participate. Oh and- man, CJ. 
Grumpy CJ. Okay, question for you. When you trick or treat, do you use a pillowcase or actually Back in the day we did. Okay. It, it, pillowcases all day, but my my daughter like, no, we got her like a Bougie. I spent a but I spent some money on Amazon because, you know, it's just too easy. But yeah, it should be a pillowcase. The problem with a pillowcase right now, it's like the size of her. It's like, I think maybe next year I'll give her a pillowcase. But we had a whole meltdown last last night because, you know, she doesn't like her Halloween costume anymore. And it was like 45 minutes of crying because she's uh, Ember from Elemental. And it's like too new of a movie on Disney that when we went out on Sunday, no one knew who she was. And she's like, I don't want to go. No one knows who I am. <laughs> and and so I, I don't know. I may have to be running over to Spirit later. or I'm just going to make her dress up as one of her princesses. But it's, you know. Aww. So you're going to do makeup um, and everything? For her? I mean, I, wa- yeah. I, I bought some orange face paint for her to continue to be Ember. But it's just, it's, it was a real, real drama she was stressed about her halloween costume last night really stressed but that's what i mean halloween's everything like i did not like halloween i guess as like a young adult and like a teenager i was just like whatever but as a kid and you know now as a parent like it is honestly one one of the best holidays of the year just to experience like i mean it it's like childhood wrapped up in a in one holiday. And um, as much as I gave you a hard time, we are not full-size candy bar um, family either, but we do hand out candy, CJ. We're not, we're not like, you know, terrible um, neighbors. Like we, and and plus we, we're in a, we're in a building. So we're, you know, people are just going up and down the stairwell. I like that. So do you dress up as you're handing out candy? Um, so that's another problem is that I'm also Ember and my husband was Wade, which is the water guy. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you know this movie, but she doesn't want to be Ember anymore. And then, so she's like, well, I'm going to be a princess and I don't have a family because we're not, you know, because I don't have a bell costume. I'm not going to throw that on. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the drama in our, in our household. But yeah, I, I dress up with her, um, other like last year she wanted to be maleficent and i was the evil queen my husband was the devil so we had like a yeah. villain thing going on that's cute like yeah <laughs> that is but, cute so you're participating now because you didn't participate as a kid and i think for adults it's fun because you have adult halloween parties with adult beverages and yeah. adult like fun well i didn't do that ever and then last year was the first time i ever done anything like that and it was so fun um you're going to learn i like been a been, been kind of a lame for the majority of my life didn't really <laughs> didn't really still go time. out still time, to still time for me to catch up um but yeah halloween parties shout, are fun shout out to my guy dame dame used to throw halloween parties every year and we used to have a great time and then play a game the next day which was always interesting <laughs> <laughs> no that i think when i went to that halloween party it, it felt like you know it felt like i was young again because, you know, it's just you're just throwing out all of your preconceived notions of what to do at a party. Um, but I, I love hearing about like Dane throwing a good Halloween party. Is this where you dress up as football players and 
Steve no, Urkel? This is when my wife and I we were matching um, Halloween outfits, but the Halloween party would be so good that I would forget what I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I can't remember what I was, but it was something that matched. So, I mean, sometimes we do, I can't remember, but we would have matching and then we would also do a Christmas theme party where we do pajamas. Oh, that's cute. Well, yeah. in in summation, you started this conversation about Halloween by saying you you really like Halloween, and I think we can all uh, determine that you like you sorta are kind of maybe like a little bit into Halloween, but not really. So that's fine. We we don't. It's fine. It's Just hand. I'm glad your wife is handing out candy tonight. Just or at least put the bucket out. I think a good a good place to finish off strong here is the pelican brief um how you feeling about your first few games i mean forget we said we're not talking about that warriors game like it you know whatever it's fine Mm -hmm. um it's it's the third game of the season so in terms of how the season started off for you you know how you feeling about your usage um more spacing being a connector on offense rather than you know the traditional point guard duties what i think what's in your mind I think considering our circumstances, we started off 2-0, no B.I. in game three, no Trey, no Jose, no Najee. Uh, if you would have told me we'd be 2-1 and one under those circumstances to start the season, I would have said, I, I'll take it. I think there's a lot of stuff we can work on and improve on as a team. Obviously, rebounding. Obviously, turnovers, um, spacing, paint touches, generating more quality threes. We just didn't shoot the ball well last night, but I think all in all, I like where we're at, understanding that we have room for lots of growth. We have room to get better. Uh, for me, it's just about, like you said before, figuring out how I can impact winning, um, taking care of the ball, uh, being better defensively, being more engaged in, in pick and roll coverages, being help side, being vocal, attacking the basket, generating quality threes, um, knocking down shots. Uh, I'd like to shoot the ball a little bit better, especially with some of the looks I'm getting, but it'll come. Like you said before, we're only three games into the season. But I think our spacing and our flow is good at times. It's not good consistently consistently yet, and that's going to take time for us to get used to the lineups, get used to spacing, pace, play calls, and, and the flow. And it also helps when you get more stops. And last night we didn't get as many stops as we would have liked. And then when we did get stops, we didn't rebound the ball. So that, that made things very difficult. But I think we – have room for growth, but are playing quality basketball. We just have to be able to sustain quality basketball for longer periods of time, especially the third quarter. Uh, playing a team like the Warriors, you know, they're a second-half team, specifically in the third quarter. For the last 10 years I've been in the league, they've been the best third-quarter team in the NBA, whether that's execution, whether that's playing hard, whether that's them being more focused, understanding the game's almost over. They have this switch that they hit um, where the third quarter starts and they kick in. And their pace is better, their offense is better, their defense is more engaged. And they showed that um, last night. I think, obviously, Z is finishing really well against the bat, uh, around the basket. Great gravity. He's showing ability to be able to play, make, and draw and kick. Um, has guarded well in switches. B.I. Uh, up until the point where he missed the game uh, last night. Obviously, the mid-range is his, his bread and butter. He gets to his spots. He raises up. He's passed well when he's been put in position to run pick and rolls and have playmaking duties. 
uh, getting to the free throw line some and just really just showing his versatility. Uh, I think our younger guys are continuing to get better. They're continuing to get more comfortable in their roles. Uh, and for us, it's just about making sure that we start games with energy, starting games, executing, and we start halves and quarters with execution and energy. And I think that'll build uh, momentum that we can kind of ride uh, into the second half and into the fourth quarter. But I think going into this OKC game tomorrow, we play a really young team who's good. They're fast. They're skilled. Uh, they obviously are led by the the Skims model. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. <laughs> Uh, who I mean, now you all are, to be <laughs> yeah, honest. Not that there's a, but here's the thing. Shout out to Kimberly because um, Skims does work for people who need it, and you basketball players do not need it. But I'll I'll just leave that there. <laughs> well, I, I'm wondering if I'm going to get some Skims, but I'll, I'll talk about OKC first. Um, <laughs> they are good. They're a league pass must watch. Yeah. They got talent. They got length. They got shooting. They got playmaking. Shea's a beast. Great start stop. He's he's got tremendous breaks when in terms of being able to accelerate and stop on a diamond, raise up. He's got to step back, finishes well around the basket, draws fouls, shooting three with regularity and consistently. Giddy's another great playmaker, big, can finish around the basket. Um, Dork guards and shoots and scores. The big fella Chet uh, blocks shots. He's a rim protector. He's efficient. Uh, I'm forgetting someone. The Jalen's. The Jalen's are very good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They they got a good team. They're young. They got a thousand picks. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they build out that roster. But that'll be a good game for us. And this is this is going to be our first back to back, which is uh, brutal. We'll play at OKC, fly back, play Detroit the next night. And as we've seen, outside of a couple teams this season, those back to backs early in the season take a little adjusting uh, on the body, on the mind. Um, so you got to get sleep, you got to hydrate, and you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. I think this is – I'm supposed to talk about our defense. I didn't talk about our defense. Okay, go uh, have at it. Our defense has been good outside of the Warrior game, um, second half of the Warrior game. Um, we're doing a better job of keeping the ball on the sides. We're doing a better job of figuring out whose hands we should get the ball out of, although we didn't get the ball in Steph's hand enough last night. I, I think the growth is there. I think we'll be another um, top 10 defensive team this year, which is a, indicative of a playoff team. We just got to rebound better. And I think that'll come um, with guards like myself. We got to box out more, more regularly and, and hit the glass to help the big. So I'll leave the defense there. Steph, Steph is very good at basketball for those that don't know. Um, he shoots the ball really well. And I think what makes it so hard is, their team's basketball IQ. Obviously, he's good. He's in shape. He can run around. He can shoot crazy difficulties, crazy degrees of difficulty, can finish around the basket. But Draymond and, and that team with CP, the screens, how they screen, when they screen, where they screen, the actions that they run on the backside to kind of occupy the nail, occupy the weak side. It frees him up consistently, and all he needs is a, is a second of daylight. And then once he gets hot, um, he's hitting ridiculous shots but he's he's definitely in the MVP conversation I think Joker with them being 4-0 and him just being so dominant so skilled it's like it's like they lost some players they lost Bruce Brown and they haven't missed a beat at all uh they look really really good really polished Jamal's playing great basketball Pope I like Peyton Watson a lot he's an Excel guy 
Um, they got a good team, man. They they are they are really good. They're legit, and they play a really fun brand of basketball. A lot of a lot of high. Well, they IQ just also players. feel they just feel complete right now. Whereas a lot of other teams, especially at the top, are working through some things, getting to know each other, um, figuring out how new pieces are fitting. Like we we know who the Nuggets are. They're the defending champs. And so until someone else kind of proves otherwise, um, they're the top team. I, I do want to say, uh, you mentioned that Oklahoma City has 1,000 picks. Just um, some further trade details, according to Woj, the Clippers are sending a 2027 20, first-round pick swap to Oklahoma City, which cleared the way for OKC to move a protected 2026 first-round pick to the 76ers. And the Clippers are sending a 2024 and 2029 second-round pick to the Sixers in that deal, too, sources said. I have no idea what I just said. I, 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 all I know is that the Clippers didn't really have that many picks to begin with to send to make this trade happen, so that the OKC is the team they brought in um, because, like Jeez. you said, they have a 1,000 picks to make this trade kind of happen. I think maybe that also contributed to why this has taken so long. Um, so yeah, that they, they're, uh, they're just draft merchants and they, you know, like they, 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 they have all of it. Um, and another thing you, you didn't take advantage of the opportunity to, um, dress up last night. Jose Alvarado did, um, as he was like the saw character. Is he the only guy who dressed up on your team? Uh, Trey Murphy was a referee. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, I will say, I think you kind of had like an easy costume you could have been, you know, because after Larry Nance Jr. tweeted that image of, you know, Zion as Bowser, you as Mario and B.I. as Luigi, like you guys really dropped the ball there. You kind of just, you know what? You were a walking version of a light op in on, on Halloween you put your lights out last night you, you just you put your lights out last night you could have done it I I should have been Mario I did drop the ball on that I a hundred percent should have been Mario and I think that leads us to our next question the video game you played most as a kid so okay so I'm of the Sega Genesis era okay. um and I didn't really play a lot of video games, but what I did play was the Aladdin game. Oh, wow. Do you remember that game? I do remember the Aladdin game. I thought you were going to take it back to the duck hunting game where like you shoot, it goes up on the wall and you shoot it. Um, no. I mean, look, I played like Oregon Trail and like uh, Lemmings because I'm that old. But like um, I, I played the Aladdin game and mostly because I knew like the secret code, like A-A-B-B-A. The fact that I still know that, that's crazy. It's core memory. Um, like, uh, like that's the game I would play the most. <laughs> and that's the game I remember. And the, like there was that one, one level. Remember when like Aladdin got stuck in the cave and then like all the fire and lava happened? Like there was that one lava level. Do you remember this game or am I just like talking? I remember to Aladdin, but I don't remember the actual levels. That's a really good memory for you. I actually remember like everything in it. I was, I did play Sega, but I was like, Nintendo was really cool for me. Uh-huh. So, um, Super Smash Brothers, all of that stuff. But if you want to take it back to Sega and the beginning of, I'm going to say the beginning of time because that's just not right. 
it's the 19th century you know there was like a like a tetris Tetris like something on on one of those games and then the little the thing where you can move it's almost like ping pong where you move the thing and you and you hit the ball back and forth yep yeah that was really fun for me in my my early days sonic and mortal Kombat. okay so it was finish it was aladdin sonic the hedgehog and mortal Kombat, all on sega genesis and that's it i i couldn't really i don't think we like kept upping our video game console i think we got one sega genesis and like we lived on that that's enough that's definitely enough to live on (laughs) all right well i hope you um you know have a good road trip and um you know, I'm thinking of all the kids in your neighborhood. I know your your beautiful wife's going to come through. Doesn't have to worry about you turning off the lights. Mm-hmm. Happy Halloween and good luck this week. We'll talk to you next week. Um, we're going to be two weeks into the season. I appreciate that. I hope you enjoy your trick-or-treating and your costume and the mini size candy bars that you're going to give out and i will enjoy i'm giving a- out ring pops oh, I, I it was strategic it was strategic because i, I, think I i'm not gonna like i have a candy issue i'm a big sweet sweet tooth and so i figured buy candy that you're not going to eat and if i like unwrap a like ring pop you know i have a problem like like i would i would be judging myself if i'm like sitting there just like <laughs> that's a good point i i will enjoy a great night's sleep in oklahoma city tonight and i'm looking forward to it it'll be beautiful you know there's still time you could dress up as mario hit the oklahoma city streets i've already packed i've already packed and it doesn't include anything of that sort i bet you they have a good spirit halloween there just try it cj just try it <laughs>